This is Boat Crew RPG with Red Jack. For mature audiences only. Percival, you're trying to track down Gabriel. Gabriel, you're very disappointed by what you have found at the library. What are your next steps? We'll start with Gabriel. Gabriel is kind of frustrated and at a loss of what to do. Um, he's found a name, but he really isn't sure if it's going to lead much of anywhere. He kind of wants to ask the journalist about why there isn't more in the newspapers. That just seems weird to him, but that's about it. Okay, so are you going to stay at the library until Percival is able to catch up to you? Um, I assume they had agreed to meet up there or maybe at like a coffee shop or the like in front of it. Okay. Percival, what are your next steps? Yeah, he, <clears throat> he well, he wants to find find Gabriel, and you know, once he lets him know about the uh, clinic, he wants to just sort of check it out because you know that uh, since the, according to the de- the detective, it's all about people of lower class who are like getting into trouble, and a doctor with a free clinic with with a place where like a lot of lower class goes to, it's like hey, this is possibly a good place to find, get some information. Even if even if we don't even a doctor isn't behind it or whatever, it's just like a good way to just put a good place for more information. Are you heading down there directly? Are you going to go to the library? So I so yeah, the person wants to meet up with Gabriel first, and then like sort of let's sort of like share what he's learned. Okay, all right. Picking up with Percival, as you leave the doctor's office, the wound across your chest starts to itch. Oh no. Pretty severely, too. It is itchy, and it just gets itchier and itchier, and then it abruptly stops. That's somewhat concerning. And so he'll, Percival will, now he wants wants to to check his wound, but this being 1890s, and him knowing etiquette, he doesn't want to just start disrobing in the middle of the street. And And now trying to think of where he could go to... Check that out. As I don't know if public like restrooms are a thing yet. So yeah. Not so much. Yeah, I, I thought not. So yeah, I suppose I'll just have to ignore it for now and just well, I definitely need to see a doctor after this, but he's he's brushing it off for now. Okay. You like two two hours later and it's like then the then the beast emerges from his chest. Noon comes and goes as you make your way towards the library where Gabriel is presently situated you come to the exterior of the building it's a nice brisk autumn's day the breeze is warm the sun is warm but the ambient air temperature is a little chilly you smell the sea in the air and for a moment you sort of let go awash in the sights sounds and smells of your hometown remembering how good it is to be home from where you've been and the things you've had to deal with while you were in the military, you step up to the library and you walk in through the doors. It takes you maybe five minutes of wandering around before you find Gabriel sitting frustrated over in the newspaper section, staring with an odd look on his face at one particular newspaper. So I take it from your expression that the newspapers are particularly unhelpful. 
Gabriel talks kind of under his breath because it's library. Yeah, there's almost nothing here, even less than in the uh, special print we got yesterday. But I got a name, Mickey O'Toole. Um, do you think that's the man we talked to? I couldn't say, but he wrote at least one article. Well, all right. So in my efforts to get myself properly bandaged, I found that there's a, do- a doctor, uh, Witherspoon, I believe. He has a clinic down in Chinatown. Now, I thought we could go check it out just because, listen, to, here's my thinking. The detective said that all the, all the victims and all the, all the uh, murderers are from the lower class, right? And so, so the good doctor Witherspoon has a free cl- clinic down there where he gives aid to all the, all, to exactly those kinds of people. Now, if we go, we could go down and check it out. Maybe like they'll have, maybe they might, the people there might have heard something or the doctor might have heard like rumblings on the underground of whatever's going on with these bizarre murders. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. I thought you'd say so. So, which do you want to go first? Do you want to see this newspaper man first, or do you want to check out the clinic first? Uh, probably the clinic. I mean, you wanted to see this doctor anyway, right? Well, I have a appointment set up for later in this afternoon. Oh, okay. But yeah, so, we, we should just check that out, I think. And at this point, Gabriel, like, I mean, sorry, Percival will sort of like show to Gabriel that, you know, he's got, grabbed his pistol from his belongings. Like, and this time I won't just have a knife for defense. Gabriel is uh, kind of shocked, but also like looks at it in appraisal. He's like, "Okay, good. I wouldn't know how to use it." So, don't worry. Yeah. I I know I know enough for both of us. I thought about I genuinely thought about grabbing my rifle, but I felt that would be somewhat obvious. Yeah, not out in the open in the city here. I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think so either. How's your wound anyway? Are you worried at all? or uh, It's probably fine. It, it's just a bit, but that's probably just the healing process. Yeah, I heard that can happen. All right, so let's head off. So we're leaving for Chinatown. Yes. Okay. So as it stands, Chinatown is a little bit to the west of where you guys currently are. That particular neighborhood comes up very closely to the south end, which is where most of the murders have supposedly occurred. Now, you get to Chinatown. It doesn't take too long for you to find the clinic. You ask around a little bit. Most of the residents are aware of its existence, and they point you to it. And as much as they can understand you, not everyone there understands what you're saying. Bit of a language barrier between Chinese and English. But you do find the clinic. It, it's in an older house. Looks a little run down. There's a sign out front that says Charity Clinic. So, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to go in first and ask a lot of questions? I think actually you better just go in and start asking directions. Ask a lot of questions. I'll be your uh, uh, guard. Okay, if you say so. Watch out that no one steals my pocket change. Oh. Don't worry about it. And then he'll like sort of, you know. You know, he'll do his, he'll, like person will do his best to like stand behind to look and look intimidatingly tough. Okay, you walk into the office and you're immediately greeted by a sort of ramshackle waiting room. All of the furniture appears to have been repurposed or picked up out of a dumpster and repaired. There's an odd collection of folks 
laborers, one drunk who has an odor similar to the gentleman from the cells last night, but is slightly better dressed, and a number of women in fairly flashy clothing that you are assuming to be prostitutes. There is a younger fellow, maybe in his late teens, sitting behind a desk in a small hallway off from the waiting room. As the door opens and the bell rings, he looks up. What What can I do for you, gentlemen? I kind of walk up to him, um, pulling out all my gentlemanliness uh, to really make a point that I'm above everything that's going on here. Um, I lift my head again and I lean down to him over his desk. I see that your clinic is very busy today. Still, I hope the doctor can make time for me and my colleague over there. We are working with a detective and we have a few questions. A, a detective? Okay, okay. Hold, hold on one moment, please. Wait right here. And the boy gets up and half runs down the hallway to a door on the left opens the door and pokes his head in leans pretty deeply into the room you hear some hushed voices and he comes walking back at a brisk pace if you guys will if you gentlemen will take a seat the doctor will be out momentarily very well thank you and the boy sits back down at his desk and makes a quick note in the appointment book there and then looks at you two and gives you sort of this uncomfortable, embarrassed smile. Looking back, Puzzle just uh, just gets back as like best, like sounding attention, just dead eye stare at him. And Gabriel is playing good cop. Like he gives him an encouraging smile and tries to look very content with the entire situation. When you turn back to the rest of the folks in the waiting room, you're met with some very cold, hard stares. Half of the folks in the waiting room seem to be avoiding eye contact. The other half are just staring the two of you down. I think Gabriel would like get out his notebook and just go through it. He isn't looking at anything in particular. He's trying to avoid eye contact with the people around him. Okay. And of course, Percival is again, just like meeting those stairs and just acting like, yeah, I'm the big tough guy. Don't mess. You mess with them. You're messing with me too. Just. Why not? Why not politically antagonize everyone in the room? Okay. After about a 10 minute wait, you hear the door down the hallway open gently and you hear some more hushed words and a woman in a scarlet dress, maybe late thirties, early forties, slowly walks down the hall, doing her best to walk with dignity. But the look on her face betrays some very bad news having just come her way as does the watery tears streaming down her face and the gloss in her eyes. She exits the building without another word, and the doctor, giving her a few moments to do so, comes up as soon as the door is shut and stands behind the boy. Uh, he looks directly at you, Percival. Uh, gentlemen, I'm told that there's something you need to speak to me about. If you have the time, of course, you're... Uh clinic and your patients have priority he turns to gabriel i i do have some time as long as we can be brief about it yes certainly of course he leans into the waiting room a little bit ladies and gentlemen just please be patient we'll be back on track very shortly uh gentlemen follow me please and he walks back down the hallway enters the door on the left and waves for the two of you to follow him i do so as does percival 
He waves you into what is sort of a makeshift examination room. You see a table, a few chairs, a basin with water. On one of the tables is a cloth covering the table, and the various instruments of his profession are laid out. On another table, there's a bowl with some used implements of his profession that are waiting to be washed. You see a little bit of blood here and there. He motions to the chairs. Please, gentlemen, take a seat. So Gabriel sits down. I'll cut right to the chase. Um, we are working with uh, Detective Sergeant O'Neill. He is very busy and worried about these recurring murders of um, prostitutes by usually committed usually by homeless men who are then also found dead on the scene. And since you have a free clinic here, we were wondering if maybe you have noticed something out of the ordinary recently. The doctor sighs and leans back on the examination table. <sighs> well, I don't know much personally, but I do know that I've had some familiar faces stop coming to the clinic. I've been worried that some of the victims may have been my patients, but I hear all sorts of rumors, so I couldn't be sure. I'm the only doctor in this area that offers the services that I do. Uh, I don't seek compensation from these people because they generally don't have any to give. This is sort of an act of charity on my part, a necessary solace for my soul to know that I'm putting some good out in the world. I haven't heard too much about the murders, just rumors. I've had a couple of patients who were witnesses to the aftermath, you know, faces in the crowd once the police got there. But I'm afraid I can't tell you much more than that. Your work here is very honorable, of course. And um, I have done quite do you, well for myself. Um, you were saying some of your clients have gone missing. Were they female or male clients in particular there's a number of faces i haven't seen in the past few months uh, most of the women tend to come to me every couple of weeks for one thing or another i'd have to say i've i've been missing on more of my female patients than my male patients there's been a couple of gentlemen who i haven't seen in quite some time who were due for follow-up appointments but it's and hard nobody to say. and nobody's like said anything no one's like said said anything like they worry about like, no one saying any names or no one said uh, any rumors or anything like that. Oh, there's plenty of rumors. I've heard everything from Jack the Ripper come to the come to the states to the devil himself stalking the streets of the South End. But I've got nothing, nothing that I can say for sure. I mean, all of my patients they have their stories, they have their. Rumors they have, what they've heard, what they've supposedly seen. I see. So Gabriel kind of leans forward and speaks quietly, but with like intent to him. Um, Dr. Witherspoon, have you ever treated men for insanity, possibly drug-induced and violent outbreaks? can't say that I have. Um that's not really what we do here. I mostly address labor-related injuries. You know, men come in from their jobs with broken arms, broken hands, 
Sometimes they step on a nail. Sometimes they get hit with a hammer. The ladies of the night come in. Oftentimes I treat some of the various hazards of their profession. But insanity is more something for the asylum than it is for my clinic. Yeah. Tell me, has anyone ever mentioned like a story about blue eyes? Not not just like the color, but like glowing with a light blue. Blue eyes. Can't say that I have. Huh. SG. I have one last question. Um, is there a shelter for homeless men that you know of? Now there's the workhouse. Uh, can you give me the address to that, please? And he fetches his notebook again. Yeah, it's a little bit north of here. I'm in the south end, and he gives you the address. North in the south end. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay, uh, then I believe we leave you to it. Thank you for your time. Very, very much so. Percy, do you have anything else on your mind? No, I think he's answered all the questions. Satisfactory. We'll leave you to your work. Thank you, gentlemen. Good luck in your uh, pursuit. Thank you. We need it. And he opens the door and walks you gentlemen to the front door. As he closes the exterior door to the building behind you, you hear him call out for his next patient. And now the two of you are on the street in Chinatown. Well, at least he seems competent, so I know I'm in good hands later on to net light later today. Gabriel, once again, is a bit frustrated. He thought police work was much easier. <laughs> so, do you want to head to the? Do you want to see that uh, that workhouse next, or do you want to see the newspaper man next? My personal vote is to see the newspaper man because I think he probably would have, like, he's if he's any good at his job, he probably would have done what we've been doing and followed the trails, try to find clues everywhere he looks. The workhouse is probably kind of empty right now. I wouldn't you say? I would believe the homeless people are outward trying to find some sort of day job or Makes at sense. least uh, beg for money, pick up trash, wipe some entrance ways, whatever. That seems that makes sense to me. So I'm on to the on to the Herald. Yeah, let's let's go. I think I would have looked up the uh address of like um the main I follow the country of newspapers too. Oh yeah, exactly. Okay. Let me refer to the handy dandy map that I have here. Do we walk everywhere or do we pay for caps every time? <laughs> the same the, the same Victorian age. <laughs> well, they have cabs. They're just horse drawn. <laughs> And we're poor, so we're not we're not immediately rolling in money, so we don't want to just splurge. We don't have Lord Pelham to foot to foot the bill. We knew <laughs> we use one of these fancy new bicycles. <laughs> now, I can never I never keep my balance on those things. The, the big front wheel is always so weird to me. Good old bone shakers. Right, by the time you guys have completed all of this, it's approximately one p.m. Any more, uh, any more sensations from from the cut on Percival's chest? It itches a little, but, but not overly okay. much. Okay, good. That's from totally it, gonna. From experience, you know that the itching 
is usually a sign of it healing, but you're going to want to keep an eye on it so that it doesn't get infected. All right. So for this one, you guys think splurging for a cab might be the better way to go, lest you run out of time. All right. At least unless you run out of time to make your own appointment with the uh, good doctor. Yeah, yeah I have no. cash on hand, so that should work out. Yeah, Gabriel's pretty loaded <laughs> by comparison for the day. So it's personal, but Gabriel definitely so. All right, so you guys catch a cab. The cab takes you downtown towards where City Hall is, the courthouses. All the newspapers like to be right where all the action is. You find the building that houses the Herald's offices. You're let in straight away through the doors. You come to a reception area. There's a young woman at a desk, copy of the Herald off to one side. A book lays on top of it with a blank cover. She sits there with a large appointment book in front of her, taking down names and making notes as folks come in and speak with her. You guys wait patiently in line. And after about 10 minutes, you walk up to her desk and she stares at you or looks at you expectantly. (laughs) While we were waiting in line, I would have told Percy, I'm going to try the same thing again. (laughs) All right. So I approach her. Good day. Um, It appears you are very busy. Uh, However, I hope that you can make time for my colleague and I to speak with Mickey O'Toole. We're working with a detective on the case of these recent murders of prostitutes. He looks you up and down. And she looks over at Percy. Tillman, please roll charisma for me. How do I do that again? 1d20. And I try to get under? I believe so. Give me a moment while I pull out the AD&D book. Because <laughs> I believe other Dungeons & Dragons games, they had like difficulty target numbers. But I got an 8 under 14. <laughs> Or maybe that's a 8 plus 2 modifier under whatever target number. I'm not sure how that works. She looks you up and down, Gabriel, and then sort of chuckles to herself. He's a better cop than you are. Tell me another one. I stared at her insistently so does he have time for us or not tell you what put your name in the appointment book and i'll go see if it's any help we met him last night she kind of smiles he meets a lot of people i know but anyway uh is she handing over the appointment book yeah she turns it and hands it and a pen to you if it helps at all, we might have something new to say about the murders that have been going on. Her left eyebrow goes up and then slowly goes back down. Go ahead and put your names in the appointment book and I'll see if he's available. Don't sell any everything we have, Percy. Uh, I'm ju- at that I'm just... point, we lose our leverage and I stare <laughs> at the appointment book and try to find a free appointment that works for us. But it helps to know that it helps to let the other person know that you have leverage in the first place. The appointment book does not appear to be terribly well organized. It's just a list of names, who they're there to see, and what time they got there. Some of it seems to be pre-made appointments. Others appear to be just people stopping in to talk. So yeah, personal will just go and sign his name and put the time in. Thank you, gentlemen. 
Now you're welcome to take a seat in our waiting area, or we can make other arrangements. She has this weird smirk as she's talking to you. Do you have an idea how long this might take? Because I do have a doctor's appointment to to keep. Well, Mickey's not usually in after lunch until around three o'clock or so. So you've got some time. Let's see. Uh, That time totally doesn't work for us, I think. (laughs) Well, do you have an address where Mr. O'Toole can call on you, gentlemen? What was the name of the pub we hung out at last night? I think I came up with a pub like off the cuff. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, cheers. (laughs) Guess we're going back there again. You can can meet us tonight at Cheers. I'll let him know that you'll be at Cheers this evening then, gentlemen. Very well. And she chuckles a little. As I said, we already met him there last night, so he should recognize us. I will let him know. Take care, gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Ma'am? And as we as we leave the thing, Percival's going to turn to the game and say, I never thought I'd say this, but but my I've met a bit friendlier people people in the army than uh, than have that I met in the last few days. Yeah, that's what I told you. The newspaper people they are leeches, which is why it's so weird to me that they're not splurging on this murder spree. Maybe it means that there's somebody rich enough to basically go around saying, "Hey, don't don't t- put too much work into it, or else there'll be trouble." Maybe the mayor and, uh, and the whole city council is in on it. Maybe they hold, uh, I don't know, some kind of blood sacrifices or something. I don't know. Yeah, that, that sounds reasonable, actually. <laughs> don't you it, know? It, it's, it's, it could it's, be it's, political. It's, it's the newest fashion all the way from Europe. All the city leaders have to go and put on uh, uh, robes and uh, sacrifice a small goat. Sounds very modern. Exactly. <laughs> Truly, with with the twentieth century almost upon us, we must look. We must, we must look to the future for for how to advance as a society. <laughs> and so, yeah, he just such you know trailing off into like a just a joking about the the satanic rituals of city councilmen. All right, gentlemen, what are your next steps? So Percival, he's drawing a bit of a blank right now. So all he knows is that he has a doctor's appointment to keep and he doesn't want to miss it because again, he wants to make sure that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't didn't catch something. He's seen like he does. He's seen like what, you know, improperly treated wounds can do to people. Yeah. Gabriel might retreat to um, his home to take a care of a few things, uh, switch clothes, etc. But he's also kind of at a loss at what to do, except meet a journalist in the evening. Okay. Well, do you guys go your separate ways for a little bit then? I, I would say so. so. Yeah. Yeah. Percy still hasn't met his family, I believe. He came <laughs> to Boston for that. Well, I got, you know, I, okay. Uh, he, he'll get there eventually. Stop hurt or stop crushing him. <laughs> you know, between between being cut, between being attacked, the murder investigation, he's sort of, you know, had other priorities. Okay. All right. So you guys will go your separate ways. We'll start with Gabriel. What does Gabriel do? Um, 
I haven't really thought about where he lives and whether he lives alone or like still with his family or like in a shared apartment. But basically he would check on his mail. Uh, he still feels like the suit he has worn the entire day night is like filthy. And the smell from the vomit of this alcoholic and that haunts him still. So he's going to give that away to uh, someone to clean it. And okay. he's going to uh, clean himself as well and groom his beard. All right, given that Gabriel spent some time in college, that implies that his family is wealthy enough to send him to college. There was no uh, no federal loan program at this point. So we'll say that he's got a family home over in the Beacon Hill neighborhood, which is sort of the ritziest part of town. You know, four-story brownstones, servants' quarters, that sort of thing. Gabriel makes his way to the family home. He's greeted at the door by the butler who lets him in. He is shown up to his rooms on the third floor, allowed to change, given, you know, given time to change. The dirty clothing are taken by the maid to be laundered. His parents are not at home right now, but the staff are more than happy to make some food for Gabriel, if necessary. There's some mail for him, uh, mostly correspondence from his college friends. There's a small package from someone he recognizes as one of his mystical associates. Yeah, Gabriel is going to write a letter to his father as well. It's going to be very formal, uh, 19th century style, like uh, addressed to the patriarch of the family, basically. Okay. Explaining the situation um, roughly that occurred uh that he was uh, held captive by the police, but released without any charge. Mm. And that his good friend Percival uh, is back in town and that they will be spending time together in the coming days and nights. Okay. All right. Well, Gabriel does that. Percival, you make your way to your doctor's appointment. That won't be awkward at all, I bet. <laughs> you arrive a little early. The kindly nurse or assistant lets you into the building. Now, this office is immaculate. Rich carpeting covers the hardwood floors. All of the furniture is immaculately upholstered, pristine, well-tended, with very intricate and detailed floral designs in reds and purples and greens. The furniture is carved and built very soundly. There's some lovely art on the wall, including a number of daguerreotypes. And you notice in the waiting room a painting of the good doctor and a woman together. There's a few magazines, a couple of books to entertain yourself with while you're waiting. After about 20 minutes, you hear some soft conversation coming from elsewhere in the building. The doctor and an older gentleman walk past the waiting room towards the front door, exchanging polite words. The doctor wishes the gentleman well, sends him on his way and closes the door behind him. As he comes back into the building, the doctor stops at the entrance to the waiting room and looks at you twice in one day. Yes, but this time I actually am here for your services, not to ask you questions. All right, then. Well, right this way. And as we're walking, you know, walking to like the, I guess the, 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 whatever the, whatever you call the doctor's room is, office, whatever it is. 
he'll he'll say, <clears throat> so I hope you didn't mind us taking your time earlier today. It's just that, well, we have a uh, personal interest in seeing the end of these murders. That's what I imagine many people do. Oh, I don't mind at all. Uh, please, my office is right here. And as he leads you into the office, you notice that He's got a slight British accent. I mean, I know. Uh, oh, is that a uh, bit of a European accent? I hear he'll say not completely. <laughs> He's American. He doesn't, he doesn't know that much. The doctor will stop for a second. Uh, yes, I've done what I can to become practiced in the local accent, but apparently some of my mother tongues seeps through. Well, you probably don't mind me asking. I arrived here from London. Ah, so, uh, doctor, I mentioned to the nurse that I was in here for uh, an injury. So I, I, it was it was previously bandaged, but I'm not confident in the other person's skills. That's a doctor. The scent of disinfectant fills his office. Not heavily, but it's definitely there. The office itself is immaculate. The furnishings are relatively simple, but they're extremely high quality. There are several filing cabinets standing in one corner of the room. An examining table occupies most of the floor space right in the center of his office. There's a roll-top desk against the back wall with a well-worn chair in front of it. The doctor looks faintly worried as you speak of his origins, but he still directs you to sit on the examining table. Percival, you're muted. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Per- Percival, he'll like, all right. So, yeah, he's like, sorry, I'm buttoning a shirt. I uh, received a cut on the chest yesterday. And the doctor who bandaged me up after the fact, I, well, I questioned both his skills and the sanitary conditions in which I was kept for a bit. Where were you kept and where was this bandaging done? Well, you see, after the, I don't want to speak too much about it, but I happened to witness one of the murders occur. That the murders that have been happening around the place. I attempted to apprehend the murderer, and in so doing so, received a cut across the chest. Well, let's let's take a look and see what we have here, shall we? All right. And you finish disrobing, and the doctor looks at the cut, and he starts prodding it gently with his left hand. Which stings like a motherfucker. Yeah, per- first of all, it's definitely gonna you know be like wincing from the pain. Well, I can definitely give it another clean. I don't think it needs stitches. One moment, and he turns around and opens a cabinet, pulls out a few glass bottles and a small glass bowl, pours the contents of one of the bottles into the bowl, grabs a clean cloth, a white cloth dips it into the bowl and starts wiping it at your chest. It stings quite a bit, and the scent of rubbing alcohol hits your nose. When he's finished wiping it down and cleaning off some of the dried blood, he then pulls out a bottle filled with a brown liquid, dabs a brown-stained cloth with that liquid, and wipes that on, around, and in the wound itself. This is some iodine. It'll hopefully keep that from getting infected. We'll bandage you up, and I'll need you to check the bandages daily, clean it at least once a day, 
using clean or boiled water in a rag. Might not hurt to pour some whiskey on it once in a while either. I'm aware of that part. I I spent some time in I'm in the military currently, and I've heard some stories about how to properly clean a wound and what happens if we don't clean a wound properly. Okay. That's good to know. You've got a leg up on many of my other patients then, but it looks like it should heal clean. You'll probably have a bit of a scar, but you can chalk it up to an adventure. I intend to. And he pulls Um, out, as you talk, he pulls out a box of gauze and some linen wrappings and proceeds to begin wrapping the wound. Now, tell me about what you witnessed. I'm curious. Many of my patients over down in the uh, Chinatown clinic, I get many rumors, and unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to ask you any questions, but please give me the details. Well, there's not much to tell, honestly. I saw a man attacking a woman. I went to stop him. He cut me across the chest. We fought. Then he fell over dead. Did he clutch his chest before he passed? I don't know. I didn't, he didn't seem to. Hmm. Most peculiar. What did he do to the poor woman? I couldn't really describe it. He killed her with a knife. It wasn't clean. I can tell you that. What do you mean by it wasn't clean? The knife wasn't clean? Well, no, it's just the woman was a mess. And, and you know, Percival looks awkward and very uncomfortable about this. Yeah, you know, he, he he she was a bloody mess. He was covered in her blood. I didn't I didn't really get much of a chance to look at her after that. The police were on were vet uh, were took us took carted us away almost immediately after that. Well, thank you for answering my questions. You can uh, go ahead and speak with the nurse at the end of the hall. She'll take care of the details. Thank you, Doctor Witherspoon. Keep a close eye on that wound. I intend to. All right. So you gentlemen meet up at Cheers. We'll say at around 5 p.m. As far as pubs go, the place is just picking up at that point. It's too dark for many people to do their jobs at this point. So they're coming in to enjoy a meal, a beverage, and companionship. As you guys make your way through the crowd to a table, you start to pick up on the number of likely prostitutes in the room now that you're finally thinking about that sort of thing. And you take a seat. One moment. Sorry. You guys take a seat. And in short order, a server comes up. Well, be free, chaps. Here. You hungry at all? Uh, we'll have food later. All right. Yeah, we, we might be expecting a friend Company. of ours. Yeah. Anyone in particular I should be on the lookout for? I can send them to your table when they arrive. Um, Mickey. Does he look confused at all if I'm just giving him the first name? He just kind of stops and looks at you. Mickey. Oh, tool, a tool. Okay. He chuckles a little bit. I'll let him know that you're here. And he wanders off towards the bar, comes back a couple minutes later with two beer mugs, sets them on the table, and drifts off back into the crowd. The place gets louder and louder as more people arrive. You hear the sounds of joyful socializing. The air becomes very thick and heavy with smoke as the patrons light their cigars, cigarettes, and pipes. Occasionally, you catch a whiff of something a little different. You're not quite sure what it is. But for the most part, 
it seems to be a very lively and engaging party almost. And so Percival, you know, he'll, he will like talk about the, the visit to doctor's office and he will bring up the fact that, you know, the, the painting of the woman and the doctor and the fact that doctor sounds British, which it's, it's not really enough to make him like, Oh, he has to be the killer. It's just, it's, it, Percival is definitely interested in keeping an eye on him. British. Uh, I didn't even pick up on that when we first visited him. Well, apparently he took he took he took steps to hide it. But uh, if you listen close, enough, if you especially if you listen if you listen close enough, you can pick it up on it. But that is interesting, isn't it? How <clears throat> there was this Jack murderer over in England. Now we have a Jack murderer here. Hmm. And that's I I don't, I don't think it's it, it's worth. Keeping an eye on that doctor, I'd say. Yeah, I I don't want to um, fling a target on his head just because he's you know a foreigner. As far as I can tell, on surface level, he seems to be very invested in the community, and he seemed genuinely concerned this uh, early afternoon when we saw him together. True, but remember, appearances can be deceiving. And if he was a murderer, he would have plenty of reason to lie. What would his motive be? He has this free clinic where he gets to see the women of the night every day. And I guess he could technically pick out his next victim, if that were the case. Well, let's say he doesn't want to be associated with it. So he drugs the homeless and sends them to do his bidding. Like I mentioned earlier at the uh, detective's place, perhaps he drugs them and, or uses other methods. There there, there are ways to make people do your bidding. I've seen, I've seen some things when I was with the army one, one time down in Louisiana. Huh? Now, Now, now I wonder why do they fall over dead once the murder is done? I've been thinking about that today. Um, I have heard and read about strange things occurring, particular with magical tales surrounding them. But I, I didn't want to breach that topic in front of the police or like in front of the doctor. I, I know what you mean. It's a, a topic you hesitate to bring up in general conversation uh, without a fear of being ridiculed. I, I I I've heard, you know, it's kind of funny. I I've heard stories also when I was down in Louisiana about how it's possible to like take a dead person who's already dead and bring them back as like a servant. I suppose if they were already dead to begin with, then just as soon as he's done with them, they could just return to being dead. I've heard the strangest thing. Apparently, they can use electricity nowadays to reanimate corpses. Electricity, you say? Yes, yes. And, you know, maybe the glow in the eyes is is like the glow of a light bulb. Hmm. So he, so he charges them with electricity first to bring them back. He sends them out to kill. And once the charge runs out after they, because it only lasts for so long after the murderer, 
then they fall over dead once the charge is expended, I guess. They burn out like a candle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe it can be remotely controlled, you know, maybe there's like a a telephone receiver set somewhere and someone gives commands to like this animator. Oh, have course. you seen those things? I, I, I saw like at the army, like I heard like they were talking about some for the like generals or something that like, suddenly like stringing up like a, 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 like a telephone wire so that like a general could, t- like, could talk across the fort. I, I, it's, it's amazing. Those things, aren't they? Telephones. Bizarre. Imagine talking to someone who's not even in the same room as you. Yeah, I've heard you can even like send messages over long distances now, but it's really expensive. I'm not sure it's going to catch on. Uh, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But that, so back, but back to the murderer. So what, what, what would be the motive then? Just the pleasure of it? Huh. At this point in the conversation, a younger gentleman, maybe in his early 20s, about the same age as you guys, with dark hair and a thick mustache, pulls up a chair you know, sort of slams his uh, mug of beer on the table. I hear you gents are looking for Mickey O'Toole. Are you him? I'm one of them. <laughs> he huh? laughs. It's a pseudonym. <laughs> what is that again? Is, is, is that the one where you change the letters of your name or... No, that's an uh, anagram, friend. Oh. So what's the pseudonym? Look, we uh, we got a bit of a tradition down at the Herald. Sometimes they don't want us to publish certain things, so we just say Mickey O'Toole did it. Ah. Don't let anyone know I let you in on that little secret. So what can I do for you, gents? We just stick to Mickey. So, Mickey, let's say we had a up-close encounter with uh, with something that might interest you. And in exchange, we would like to know more about... We would just like to know more, I suppose. What do you want to know more about? The murders that have been going on. Yeah, a bunch of ladies of the evening found, gutted and splayed about. Always a dead uh, drifter, hobo, nearby with a knife in hand. Big mystery. No one knows why they're doing it. They never have any money on them, so they're not being paid to do it. All right. We hear a lot of rumors. You know, we've got a bit of a file back at the office, but we're not allowed to publish much. Why is why? that? Yeah, why? Yeah, well, how come? Cops want to keep it quiet. They're afraid that the similarities between the murders here and the Ripper murders in London might cause a panic. Well, I think people are already starting to panic if they're have you heard what they call them? The Red Jack. That's People already sort of made the connection themselves, don't you think? It's all rumor and hearsay at this point. Until people see it in print, they're not going to take it too seriously. I don't know. What about, well, the underground, the women of the night, for example? They always have to look out for themselves. Who cares? Well, yeah, but in that circle of people, I would believe they care. Maybe in that circle, but proper society doesn't care. And they're not going to care until they see something confirming it. So something the newspaper readers don't care? No, the newspaper well, readers, it's... they care about what we tell them to care about. Hmm. Well, all right. And unless we want the police storming our offices, we don't tell them to care about this. Okay. 
Well, okay, so how about this? We give you some, I'll let you in on something. We saw one of the murders happen in person with our own eyes. As you say that, he pulls out a little notebook, flips it open, pulls a pencil out of the coils. Go on. So me and Gabriel over here, we just, we just, we met, we went, I think we met with one of the, with another Mickey last night. He told us about the murders that were happening in the first place. Then he departed for, for parts unknown. Then later on, we, then we stayed around, we caroused, we drank. Then finally we decided to just stumble back home. On the way out, we, 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 uh, we walked by the park. There was a fog. We heard a scream. We ran to investigate. Tell me, what are some of like what are some of the rumors you've heard that that are involving this that you give some credence to? Well, what can you tell me about the murder itself? Like, I, give me all the gory details. And I, so again, Percival looks uncomfortable trying to like think about the murder of versus murder of the woman last night. <clears throat> well, I heard the scream first, so I ran to investigate. When I got there, there was a woman lying on the ground. I didn't really get a good look at her. She was a bloody mess. There was a a, a dirty-looking, homeless-looking man standing above her with a knife covered in her blood. Was there anything strange you noticed? Yes, his eyes. They were glowing blue. At that point, he just sort of drops the pencil onto the table and he looks at you glowing really radiant well like a firefly yeah percy uh, earlier today you compared it to fireworks but similar concept and how much did you guys have to drink that night last night not enough to not i seeing a murdered woman in a sober sober us up really quickly after that and besides i don't think i've ever been drunk enough to mistake colors i've seen I, i've seen a few things but never I have never mistaken the color blue for I've never seen anyone's eyes glow blue like that ever. Okay. So he closes up the notebook, slides the pencil back into the coils and puts the notebook in his pocket. All right, gentlemen, thanks for sharing with me. Look, if you, you know, there's a lot of rumors swirling about this. But if you really want to track down some of the information yourself, there's a bookie works up on Washington Avenue, name of McFinn. He tends to know things. Most rumors pass through his shop one way or another. Of course, I'm not like to go there anytime soon. It's not exactly an area I feel comfortable stepping into. But if you guys want to go check it out, be my guest. All I ask for in return is a little more information when you're done talking to him. Fair enough. Well, let me know when you go. Or better yet, how about we just meet back here in two days? Sounds fair. All right. Well, thank you for your time, gentlemen. He gets up, grabs his beer, and walks into the crowd. First, first of all, we'll look to Gabriel and just add another person who seems to know nothing. Nobody seems to know anything anymore. Yeah. Weird. I really would have thought that among the women of the night that there are more concrete things that go around and that either the doctor or the journalists know about it. Maybe they know and they just don't want to tell us. Or maybe everyone here, I mean, no, I mean, the doctor would know. 
he sees them every day. Uh, who knows? I'm starting to think maybe I I don't remember Boston being this unfriendly when I, before I left for the army. At least I don't think it was just unfriendly. Ah, uh, whatever. He'll pick up his beer and take us a drink. Well, he has to come back home. Whether or not it's a good visit, uh, I no. This this is definitely not a very good visit. And he'll just drink, take a drink of beer. I'm sorry, my friend. Maybe we can fit something in that is that takes your mind off of things a little bit. And I I probably should go home tonight. I am a bit overdue. Yeah, that's true. So you know where my place is. I'm sure uh, my parents would love to see you if you want to uh, come by anytime, really. Oh, that's good to hear. At least, there's, at least I know there's some, there's uh, somebody has will be happy to see me. To Boston, he looks like you know, raise a glass and toast. Clink. <laughs> to Boston, and hopefully better times. To better times. As you guys slip into enjoying the night, eventually you place orders for food. It arrives. And this evening, as you wrap up at the bar and make your ways home, there are no murders. <laughs> oh my god, we're talking about caught in the time loop. It's another murder. It happens again. <laughs> <laughs> Percival's home is not that far from Gabriel's, owing to their childhood familiarity with one another. Their families are fairly similar in terms of means, although Gabriel's family is slightly better off. Percival, when you get home, you are warmly greeted by your family. They very happily bring you into the home. Immediately, there's a glass of brandy pressed into your hand. One of the servants runs off to make you a quick meal. Your parents are overjoyed to see you. They barely give you a chance to go change. Gabriel, when you return home, a similar scene ensues, although your father does pull you aside, very concerned about the letter you wrote him. You step into his study, and he shuts the door behind the two of you. He takes a seat in his chair by the fireplace and waves you to the chair across. A large leather affair, richly stuffed, very comfortable. You sink right in as you sit down, and he looks at you. Son, what is this about the police? Uh, so I would have given him some of the details of what had happened in the letter, but I guess I go over it again. Like I tell him about meeting Percy, staying in the pub, and then uh, walking through the park and coming upon these murders, uh, the whole scuffle that happened, and then being arrested by the police on like false assumptions. Okay. I just wanted to hear it from your mouth directly. I'm going to go have a word with the uh, chief of police tomorrow with our attorney. This is unacceptable. The conditions that night were quite unacceptable. However, I do feel when I was released the next morning, there was, um, I wouldn't call it remorse, but um, mutual understanding between the detective sergeant and Percy and me. All the same, this is unacceptable on many levels. This kind of behavior from the constabulary is not appropriate, especially towards those of our standing. They never should have brought you in like that. 
Well, rest easy, son. You're home now. It's good to have you. I hope you've been doing well in your studies. But we can discuss that after you've had some rest. Of course. I invited Percy over if he wants to come. Uh, I hope he'll receive our hospitality. Absolutely. He is welcome here. Very good. I'm going to rest by the fire for a little while, son. Why don't you go and join the family? I'm sure they're all very excited to see you. Okay, I will. I will do that. So he retreats to, I guess, like the living room area. I would assume he has like younger siblings. So maybe he plays some chess with them or something like that. Yeah, chess, checkers, mm-hmm. backgammon, cards, any number of possible games there. And he does, you know, he has two younger siblings who are very excited to see him. The staff are very excited to see him, as is his mother. More or less the entire household is in the in the room together, except the staff as needed. So, all right. We will, in 5.36, we'll close the session here with you guys going to sleep, and then we can pick up with your adventures at the bookie next session. <laughs> Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.